Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, we've been battling our uh, landscapers this morning. Uh, must be nice to have somebody to come do your lawn. <laughs> How's it going down there in Miami? Yeah, you know, it's wonderful living the lavish lifestyle in this cramped, small condo where people come and, and blow my leaves. Uh, you know, so it's not the you know it's not the king's lifestyle that everybody imagines. Yeah, my guys keep uh, firing it up. So if you hear it in the background, that's what it is. Unfortunately, uh, Nick will do his best to edit it out, but uh, <laughs> we're kind of stuck uh, with it for a little bit. You know, it's usually me, right? Like, it's usually because of my location, either the yard guys or I live by, you know, the hospital in kind of metro Miami where there's always sirens that Nick has to edit out. So today, maybe it's your turn to ruin this. But, you know, don't count out a good siren. Don't count out a good murder across the street from my place. I mean, that definitely could happen. <laughs> So, uh, exactly. we'll start with someone who's been murdering it on the recruiting trail. Uh, <laughs> LSU, uh, six commits now in the last month. Uh, they reach into Mississippi, one of your states, and grab a commitment from Sadiq Charles. Kind of an offensive-defensive line combo. Might as well rank him as an athlete with his versatility. What's been your take? Yeah, what's happened... Yeah, what's happened with Charles is that he's not really, I mean, he's only played like three games ever at offensive line, which is where else he's taking him. But who am I to say? guess less miles, I'm sure to see something in them. Uh, at a larger hole, it's, you know, it's interesting because of what happened with him last year, right? Is, you know, everybody, Les Miles was as good as fired if you if you uh, listen to, you know, reporters on Twitter. He had mentally moved on from LSU, or LSU had mentally moved on from Les Miles. And, you know, come to find out he sticks around and then the narrative becomes, well, you know, they want to fire him, which, you know, is probably true on some level. So how is this going to affect him on the recruiting trail? It seems like the answer is little to none. I mean, maybe, I mean, you don't know what he would be doing had that situation not occurred. I think it's hard to, you know, kind of prognosticate you know, what would be happening. Uh, but, you know, they seem to be doing just fine. They're definitely not dragging their feet. They're definitely not Vanderbilt thing right now. Uh, they have commitments. They have good commitments. Uh, so, you know, Les Miles is <laughs> resilient, if nothing else. Yeah, they, they end up, uh, right now, they're ninth in the Rivals team rankings. They've got a lot of commitments. I saw an article on our LSU site talking about how, how spots are actually filling up. And I think they are to a certain degree. I think you'll see, you know, LSU strategies usually build up their class in the offseason and then kind of wait to reel in those big names from the state. There's plenty of uncommitted players from the state of Louisiana out there. Some of the guys they took recently, Aaron Moffitt, a three-star uh, defensive lineman from in the state, uh, you know, a, a nice addition, but not exactly a guy that they beat out, you know, a ton of big-time schools for. Tory Carter, who's a, a fullback, actually, who I saw play defensive line in a game last year. Uh, he's from here in Georgia, their first uh, commit from that state. And the big name that, that Nick and I talked about, Austin uh, Deculus, Deculus, we had a little bit of debate on how to say his name. And then the big commitment, they got Stephen Guidry, uh, originally from Louisiana. He's a wide receiver uh, at the JUCO level. I think he was a huge addition. Not a lot of people talking about that. He was committed to South Carolina for a long time. Uh, so you pair him with Lowell Narcisse, the quarterback. And then, of course, Charles, the offensive line. And really, they, they, they built basically from every single position uh, that they really needed now it's time to go get these big names and reel in some of these four and five stars. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, it, that kind of thing can happen for them. I think that everybody expects them to have a very good season. Uh, the only way that this really falls apart is if, you know, they take two steps back. But, you know, they're projected as a team that can compete for an SEC championship this year, I think. You know, maybe that's not a 
departure from what you get every year with LSU, but I think people expect them to win a lot of games, and I think the class will grow. I think that that's kind of how you end up landing these four or five stars. Is a lot of those guys narrow it down to two or three, wait to see how the fall plays out, and even if they commit, you can still flip them depending on what you do on the field. Uh, so, you know, that could come together closer to signing day. I think that, you know, and it's an early prediction to make, but I think that LSU has the feel of one of those teams that could have a very strong finish this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see them pull out, you know, eight of the top ten in state, which are all, you know, top 250 guys. I think that would be a, you know, a reasonable thing for them. They're always fighting with Alabama, of course, in the state of Louisiana for those top guys. But basically, that's their only competition. So uh, we'll, we'll be watching them going forward. So one story we're watching, basically, not a, not a big recruiting impact here, but uh, just in the college football world, it's a slow news, t- news time. And our boy Josh Rosen, our boy Josh Rosen, popping off on all types of social media. First, he uh, he you know wore the uh, anti-Donald Trump hat, which uh, drew some ire from his head coach, uh, who actually went on a radio show and said he's headed toward Johnny Manziel territory. Which uh, I don't know if I would compare wearing a hat to being addicted to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, <laughs> the second thing he did. Of course, uh, get yesterday, I think, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so UCLA uh, announced their new deal with Under Armour uh, to take over their apparel uh, from Adidas, and, uh, and you know, it was for a ton of money, and he made a comment about how they're still amateurs. Uh, I believe it was on Instagram, I'm not sure. I think it got deleted, of course, like every other great social media post. Uh, and then he retweeted a few people as well. So Rose, what's your take on Rosen that? Rosen has a history of this. Um, Adam Gorney, our West Coast uh, slash national guy, tells this great Rosen story where his high school coaches, when he was in high school, got a little bit bent out of shape with him because he did an interview in one of the LA papers where he was like, yeah, I call my own plays in the line of scrimmage, which apparently was either A, a gross exaggeration, or B, not true at all, or at least the coaches disputed this, and they're all complaining about it to Gorney. But Rosen, when you've got this kind of talent, you can really get away with saying anything you want, right? And, you know, guys like me and you love him for it. Like, this is, you know, the kind of guy I like to cover. This is the kind of guy that I click with because it's more my personality. I've always liked Josh Rosen. My interactions with Josh Rosen have always been pleasant. Uh, he makes me laugh. And that's all I'm really looking for in anybody is to make me laugh. And he continues to do that. So I wish nothing but the best of this guy. And I hope, he go, I hope he pops off more because, you know, it gets even better when you're a guy popping off like this and, and a coach wants to discipline you, but he can't because you're too good. There is literally, outside of breaking the law or violating an established team rule, Nothing Rosen can do that's going to get him benched, right? Like this guy, he's got, he's, yeah, he's got carte blanche. Well, and that's the that's the interesting thing with him is, you know, they didn't let him talk, right? He he was kind of banned from talking to the media most of the year, wasn't he? And I guess they were worried he would say something, uh, which maybe if you're a coach, you would deem stupid. I, you know, you and I would say interesting. I mean, I think you know, in a college athlete having an opinion on. You know, amateurism and stuff like that is interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I need to hear for you know his political <laughs> stance. I don't know if I'm too super interested in that. Um, but if a if a quarterback, especially a guy who you know probably could have taken money if he wanted to to go to several schools across the country, uh, if he has an opinion on the lack of funds, especially considering you know some of the, he's seen you know the backgrounds that a lot of these players come from and how their families could use money. If he has an opinion on it, that's his right, you know. And, you know, Moore is a former NFL guy, and I just don't think he likes not necessarily having control over Rosen. 
But uh, well, he knew what he was know. signing when he signed Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen has always been Josh Rosen. This isn't like he got some clout because he had a good freshman year and now he's this different guy. This is the guy that I've met as a junior in high school. And we've had this conversation on this podcast, actually, where I've talked to you about how much I like Josh Rosen because of because of this very reason, because he is so outspoken uh, and because he just doesn't really care much about public persona or whatever. You're going to get uh, unfiltered Josh Rosen every day. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. You know, we in the media complain and complain and complain that athletes are boring and rehearsed and boiled down. But then when they speak at a turn and say something interesting, we're the first ones to jump on them. So we can't really have it both ways. And, I, you know, I'm Team Rosen in almost anything. You know, I'm a little bit bummed they made him take the hot tub out of his room. Uh, yeah, I just think he's I just think he's a really interesting athlete and somebody that I'd like to read about. I'm with you there. And I think the, the better he gets, the better it's going to be for all of us, especially in the media, uh, giving him an opportunity to come out and speak his mind. And he's funny. You know, he's sarcastic. You know, we saw it, you know, him and Trent Dilfer famously beefed. which really, you know, scored him a ton of points for me because, you know, I talk about someone who takes himself way too seriously. Uh, Trent Dilfer really falls into that category. Yeah, you want to talk about total opposites, you know. You put those two together, you get Dilfer who, like, bestows the the values of grit and other other traits that don't really exist. Uh, You know, really wants you to be good at chalk talk, whatever that means. I don't know why you can't just say really good at talking about football. I I guess it sounds more coachly if you say chalk talk. Uh, and Rosen, <laughs> Rosen dismisses all of that as fake because it is fake and uh, is not afraid to, to kind of challenge him on that. And he did not like that, did he? Well, no, he didn't. He famously, uh, I believe ESPN dropped Rosen considerably in their rankings. He finished in the 60s or something like that. Based <laughs> because on he wouldn't Dilfer's. take it from Dilfer. <laughs> yeah, because he wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't buy in. So, of course, we had Josh number two, probably should have had him number one. Uh, in retrospect, but uh, that's overall in the country. Uh, but so anyway, I think he's. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a guy that that ends up, you know, going on and having success at the next level, and then you know has a ton of endorsements and everything like that. So I'm big really, time. Really hoping we get to see him on Dancing with the Stars one day. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. Hopefully, uh, who knows that show will still be on. Uh, so we wanted to move on, talk a little bit about Miami. Uh, one of our uh, biggest listener listener groups, so we obviously want to get the Hurricanes in every show if we can, since everybody likes uh, to hear our voice down there when, in your neck of the woods, Rob. Um, it's interesting because Miami's off to a good start recruiting in terms of numbers. You know, it, it goes to be debated. Last year, we saw them load up on commits early. A lot of those guys didn't end up sticking. Obviously, there was the coaching change. Uh, this year, though, they've got you know a, a pretty good class put together. They recently picked up a commitment from DJ Dallas an athlete uh, from down in South Georgia that I know a lot of schools were high on, especially uh, Oregon. Uh, you know, they, they really wanted him. They compared him to some of the uh, players they've had in their offense recently. So it's a huge addition for Mark Richt and company. The question is, you know, they're number three in the team rankings. How do they stay there? Do, what do you think on field they have to do this year to kind of keep this momentum and keep a lot of these recruits, especially because you know other schools are going to keep recruiting them? I feel like this year, you know, when you look at it, there are a lot of three stars mixed in, but guys that, you know, have a real good chance of moving up. I don't feel, and obviously last year was a play to kind of keep Al Golden's job, right? Hey, look at this recruiting class we have. You know, they got some guys too. I mean, Sam Bruce was in that class forever. They were talented guys, but they also took guys just for numbers last year. Uh, and I feel like the guys that they have in this class are a little bit more talented as a whole uh, right now. You know, they're guys that other schools will come after. Uh, and that kind of brings me back to what you were asking, I think. It, you know, they've got to do something, you know. 
I don't, it's not obviously your first season as a head coach and a head coaching regime is never a, you know, must compete for an ACC title kind of thing. Nothing's going to happen to Mark Rick if he doesn't. Uh, but I think in order to start stealing back some of that momentum from Florida State, which they need to, uh, that's definitely the biggest threat to Miami right now is all the recruiting momentum Florida State has built with the national title and with the James Winston winning the Heisman Trophy, uh, and this and that. They really got to put a dent into that. And I think eight games is a way of showing, all right, we've won eight. This is the trajectory we're on. Uh, you know, it's on the way up. Rick already has an established name, so that plays into it. I think if you can win eight with a coach that has an established success, you know, successful past, uh, then you show a trajectory where it's enough to maybe start denting into that that foothold that Florida State is starting to create in South Florida and in the state in general. Yeah, and that's going to, like, I think they can have a big year. I, I mean, you know, the ACC, obviously, you have Clemson and Florida State at the top, Louisville also in the mix as a team that a lot of people like. But, you know, bringing back Brad Kaya, I think, really helps. And I think I think you need a, a good season. I think you need, like, I think you had said eight. Nine, you know, eight to ten, I think, is the number you're shooting for. There's big expectations down there. There's talent on the roster. I'll tell you what, Woody, if they win ten, uh, there's going to be, I mean, they're going to, that recruiting class is going to take, you know, a bump in the right direction real quick, I think. I think that if you're Miami and you're located where they're located and you have Mark Richt, who has the name, and you go out and you win ten games uh, in his first season, everyone's jumping on board. (laughs) <laughs> they're going to flip some guys that you would not expect them to flip. I think 10 would, I, man, 10 would set this program up for something, I think, something special maybe down the road. Yeah, so we'll be watching that. But you talk about Dallas. He's a he's another holdover from, uh, he was actually committed to Rick and Company at Georgia. A uh, guy from South, South Georgia, which is, you know, honestly – uh, Brunswick, Georgia is right across the straight the state line from Florida. It's not much farther than it is from uh, from Athens. I mean, I think it's about four hours to get to Athens, maybe six to get to Miami. So a lot of people think, oh, great, great job by them stealing somebody from Georgia's backyard. But uh, you know, it's it's relatively close. That's a fertile area for talent. Yeah, and I like the addition of Dallas. He's a quarterback. He could play wide receiver. He could play DB. Uh, so good pickup there, and uh, the tide keep rolling along. So. Uh, we're short on topics this week. Time to take it out to Texas. Talk to our boy uh, Krug City. We got all kinds of drama going down in the Lone Star State. So uh, let's head out there, talk to Nick, and we'll be back with rants and recommendations. All right, it's time for the segment that everybody loves the Texas Roundup with Nick Kruger, our Texas analyst. Nick, uh, we heard uh, you found a new grocery store out there in Texas. Everything's going well. You've been finding some talent as well. You know, guys got to eat, and uh, out here in Texas, I'm working up a big, a big Texas appetite. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily you got a lot of diet Dr Pepper <laughs> to wash it down with. Uh, but <laughs> we uh, we've had all sorts of controversy going on in the state of Texas. Fan bases getting angry at you, uh, and of course Bob Lee, you know, all over the case uh, with what's going on at Baylor with uh, Art Bryles and everything. Of course, we don't want to get too much into the. Uh, Big details of that, but, you know, there's been a lot of Title IX discussion over some Baylor players getting into trouble with the law over sexual assault uh, charges and allegations. The question we have is, how does it tie into recruiting, especially considering, you know, the the Baylor president uh, looks to be on the way out if he's not already, uh, and will it affect Art Bryles? Will there be a new coaching staff, uh, you know, in Waco in the months to come? So, 
What's been your your reaction to the news, and have you had a chance to talk to any kids about it? From my you know perspective, looking at all the things that happened, uh, it was it was with football players, but um, you know at the core of the story. But I think you know in general we've we've seen uh, a lot of coverage about sexual assault on campuses across America, and that's not unique to just football programs. And I think the stuff that that goes on with that, and and it's and it's not because it's Baylor or any other school in particular. I think that transcends, you know, what it, uh, you know, what what the reach of the NCAA as an athletic uh, committee should you know should be looking at. I mean, that's that's criminal. You know, those are criminal offenses that we're talking about, and something that, you know, uh, in Baylor's case, had to do with breaking federal laws. I I think I saw somewhere. So you're talking about much higher powers. Uh, likely getting involved in in broader strokes than just what affects the football team, and I, you know, I I wouldn't. I'm not trying to be controversial by saying I don't think anything should happen in terms of sanctions to the football team. I, um, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure if the football place is the way to hit it. Even though the players involved were football players, if you get them off the team and address it that way, I think you know you take it from there. I I don't know what the right answer is really. Yeah, it seems obviously, you know, there seems to be a culture there. The question is does it, you know, I guess I'm reading I'm, I'm trying to figure out I looked at the New York Times 9 hours ago said uh, that Baylor's still the president there despite uh, a former rivals employee <laughs> reporting that he's out. So, uh I it's he'll probably be gone if he's not by the time this this comes out. The question is does a new guy come in? and want to start clean. I mean, as the athletic director go, does the coach go? Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, we've seen Baylor recruit at a pretty high level uh, over the past few years, especially considering uh, what they've been able to do on the field. They've been in the mix for the national championship uh, each of the past few years, just missing out on the playoff. I really think that and he could get fired. I mean, you know, our boy Jalen Rose has said it when Bob Lee's talking about you. It's not... It's not good, and you know there. <laughs> you don't. Want, you know when you get jammed up, don't mention my name. And this is a situation where Art Bryles is kind of at the forefront. We've seen a lot of uh, actually other fan bases in Texas as uh, we were perusing the the message boards on various sites. Seems like everybody's interested in the story and what the repercussions are going to be. We're seeing a similar situation with Alabama and the SEC. I just, you know, I, I really, I, I don't see him lasting. I, I'm be honest with you, Nick. If I was predicting right now, I would say, you know, and, and of course I, I watch a lot of outside the lines, but yeah, I, I really think that uh, they may end up, you know, in a situation where they're trying to find a new coach. And at, at this time of year, that would not be uh, ideal, especially for recruiting. That could be. And, and I think, uh, and I think from a public perception, you know, regardless of what I think or what other, what other people at the university think about Art Browse's, uh, you know, uh, involvement with, with covering things up or if it, if it fell to him or how high it went up the chain, you know, we see, we see things happen like this and it, and it just creates a, it creates a bad cloud that, you know, you probably just couldn't recover from, uh, as you know, in the PR sense as a head coach. So, uh, Baylor might be looking to might be looking to change pace there. I I haven't seen uh, what what the reaction is going to be as far as he goes. I know you know we I, we were talking earlier. I was at the Bishop Dunn uh, spring game last week. Um, Baylor coaches were there looking at four star cornerback Chevin Callaway. Uh, so you know they're still hitting the road and they're still I I, I guess by all appearances uh, you know handling handling things until 
you know, until they're told to do otherwise the way that they normally would. And and Baylor is is in a situation. Well, the other Texas fan bases are are involved because you know there's a there's a big fraternity of of Texas football teams all in the same conference there, and they're all you know hoping that uh you know that that this negatively affects Baylor just you know so it positively affects their own team. I'm sure. So you know we'll we'll have to see what the shakeout's going to be. Obviously, this is still something that's that's developing and. Uh, something that's the that the reporting is is coming from from uh, more more higher authorities than than me. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what's going on. I think either way, uh, if if there is a new president, I mean, I'm sure that search will take a while. The problem is, you know, we if if Art Browse is going to stay, I really think he's going to need that vote of confidence from whoever the new guy is because. You're going to see negative recruiting here. I mean, there's nothing. Well, there's got to be there's got to be some there's got to be some authority that's handling the investigation that says that are that, that eliminates Art Bryles from from culpability in the whole scenario. You know, the a lot of the incident reports that I've been reading up about all take place on off campus events, like it well into the late hours of the night when it doesn't matter if you know you're talking about a football coach, an art teacher, or whoever would be, you know theoretically in charge of these kids from a from a a staff perspective they wouldn't be with those kids at that time anyway so you know i I, that's why i feel the responsibility should be on the on the kids and the you know and the uh, the punishment dealt by the university in general more so than the football program itself but it's like i said i mean if if the pr image can't recover from that as our you know as a head coach then you know, you're just going to have to change change directions. Yeah, I think the I think the issue is that uh, some of these players that were brought in. I mean, a guy like Sean Oakman, uh, who had a had a past incident at his previous school. I think that's where the red flags came up. There was a player who transferred in from another school. I think I think it was Boise State. Uh, and the, the mm-hmm. you know, and the the allegation was that that Chris Peterson and and Art Bryles had just had talked or hadn't talked about you know, what happened with him at Boise State and why he got kicked out of there, why he was leaving. And so, you know, when you're bringing guys who have a checkered past and then they get in more incidents, that's an issue. And then the whole culture uh, around the team, if, if, you know, that stuff was covered up or anything like that. So it's obviously a hot button issue. I mean, like you said, you and I don't know all the facts and, uh, you know, far be it from us to pass judgment. I just think it's a, it's a tough situation. Yeah. We saw with, uh, you know, other schools where controversies like this uh, pipe up, even Butch Jones at Tennessee, where they're under a Title IX lawsuit as well for a couple incidents. I <clears throat> I think it hurts. I mean, I think it, uh, you know, Tennessee's clearly sticking with Butch, but without a president in place, it's tough for somebody to give Bryles the, uh, the vote of confidence you need. You know, they've got a quarterback committing Kellen Mond, who, you know, is a top 250 guy, a guy that a lot of people like. He's Auburn's number one target as well, so... This will have repercussions. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, how does it play out? I think that's what we really need to be watching uh, as things move along. So that's definitely a situation we'll be following. A heavy issue, you know, we don't want to take it lightly here. Um, just to, just tough for us to discuss without really knowing uh, what's going to happen. So uh, another team in the state of Texas uh, picked up a commitment this week, TCU. Uh, they seem to be doing pretty well on the recruiting trail, at least uh you know, especially compared historically to what they've been able to do recruiting-wise. They get a commitment this week. Tell us a little bit about him, Nick, and what do you, what do you think their momentum is on the recruiting trail, uh, especially considering the, the, the seasons they've had over the past few years? 
Well, the guy that committed today was uh, three-star defensive lineman James Lynch out of Round Rock, so just just a little bit north of me here in Austin, but and a guy that I haven't uh, seen play in a live game, but uh, somebody I went out to and talked to last week. You could tell he was glowing with his, uh, you know, his reviews of of uh, TCU and his enthusiasm to being up there, and it just seemed a matter of time before he was going to commit. At the time, he he said he didn't have a a a day or a time picked out to you know, pare down his offers because he had been getting a lot over the course of the spring. And after TCU had offered, Colorado came in, Texas Tech came in, uh, a few other, Colorado State, a few other uh, made plays for him. But, you know, you could just tell he was all in on TCU from the start. And what's interesting about his commitment is, you know, TCU said that they'll take him as either an offensive or defensive line uh, commit. So so somebody who, you know, gives them a little bit of versatility, uh <laughs> depending on depending on how the rest of their class shakes out because you want to talk about negative recruiting against Baylor uh you know T- TCU and Baylor are two teams that definitely are going to go head to head uh with a lot of players and and this this might be something that tips the scales a little bit in their favor yeah they have four commitments now in the class of course led by uh Sean Robinson a personal favorite of yours uh quarterback uh from DeSoto <laughs> and then uh, Wes Harris, a four-star offensive lineman. So, you know, they're number 39 in the team rankings right now. I think, uh, obviously, that'll go up depending on what they can do. They finished last year 22. The key for them is to uh, to make sure they keep building on that momentum. You've got a quarterback. You've got the marquee guy in the class. Now they need to build on it going forward and have him being out there recruiting. Of course, we expect him uh, to do plenty of that with him being – uh, you know, a marquee name and uh, a guy that a lot of people already know of. So uh, I guess that wraps it up for us. Not a whole lot else of Texas talking for us to do. It's the quiet time, but satellite camp's heating up. Uh, I know we're both looking at our schedules. It's going to be uh, hectic. Uh, you're going to be bouncing around to a bunch of them there next month? Yeah, I, I was just looking at my calendar today, and it's, you know, it's it's really a situation where I need to get my hours of uh, hours of sleep in now in advance because it's definitely going to be a pound the pavement uh, scenario for me coming up next month, especially following the the five star challenge that we have. Yeah, you're going to be great for you to stand around watching guys who you don't know and can't get a roster or <laughs> anything like that. But hey, guess what? Fun fact, Nick. We'll leave him with this. The city, I covered one satellite camp last year, and uh, two of the players at the event that I wrote about had no offers at the time. And uh, two of them will be at the five-star challenge in Atlanta just a, a year later. So, you know, which just goes to show that <laughs> the coaches may not have offered them, but I offered them a spot uh, in my write-up. And next thing you know, they got 40 offers each. So uh, that wraps us up the Texas Roundup. We'll throw it back to me and Rob to listen to us uh, complain about uh, produce. So <laughs> we'll take it away, myself. All right, welcome back. Another journey out to Texas. Nick, of course, killing out there. Follow him on Twitter at Rivals Krug City. A quick reminder to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Commitment Issues. You can find us on plenty of other uh, podcasting tools. I don't know what you use, you Android people. <laughs> but uh, Find us in your weird Android store. You know, we got to get me back on Texas Roundup one week, man. We need to make Texas Roundup great again. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, maybe we'll retroactively have you record it because I don't want to do it today. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's move on to our rants and recommendations. Uh, we're pretty excited uh, to talk about a few options. I guess I'll start us off with a rant. You know, and and I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm in the right or I'm in the wrong here as I've been trying to read up on uh, rants. 
In the city of Atlanta, there's a big trend when an ambulance comes, uh, even if it's coming the other way on a four-lane four highway, everyone just slams on the brakes and stops in the middle of the road, uh, which is an unusual thing that I've been noticing. I don't, I don't see how it helps the ambulance get by any faster if you just stop uh, in on in the opposite lane. You know, obviously, if an ambulance is behind you, you got to get over to the right. Based on what I've read online, it seems like if you're in the opposite lane and there's no median, you're also supposed to try to veer over to the right. That still doesn't solve the issue of people slamming on their brakes in the in the left lane of a of a four lane highway. So, uh, who knows what goes on down there in Florida? I bet cars don't even mer don't even get out of the way for ambulances. <laughs> but uh, there's going to be an I, I'm going to get an accident rear-ending someone who slams on their brakes when they see an ambulance coming. It's a real weird it's a real weird trend that's going on up here. I, I have not seen that happening here. I'm still trying to figure out why people drive with their hazards on in the rain. That was a whole thing that threw me. Um, you know, I live next to the hospital, though. So I, <laughs> they, they pull right in there, and I, I have not seen people just slam on brakes yet, though. Well, I live relatively near to a, a hospital now as well, but it's, a, it's so stupid. If an ambulance is coming the opposite direction, why do you have to... Why do you stop? Like, what? what what's going to happen? You know, you're just going to cause another accident. They're going to, the ambulance is going to have to stop and throw you in while they're taking the other person. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it on my rant. It's a short rant today. It's not super exciting. But, you know, I guess if you see an ambulance coming, merge over and get on the right shoulder. Down there in Florida, everywhere has a median. So it doesn't matter, uh, you know. But it's it's really. But most of the medians are, but most of the medians are occupied by people selling produce or orchids. Well, you <laughs> so, know, at least in my neck of the woods. That's a mini rant. I miss going to Florida where I could buy two watermelons on the side of the road for five dollars. I was at Publix yesterday, ten ninety nine for a seedless watermelon. There is a guy on the median across from my house that sits out there all days and just sells limes, man. And you'd be surprised. I mean, it's quite a hustle. You'd be surprised when people are buying those limes through the window. I mean, I've never thought about doing it. I don't use limes for anything. I'm not really a chef, and I'm not shooting tequila in my house. Uh, but, you know, if I ever do need some limes, I think the guy on the median across the street, and that's my recommendation for the week, is the guy on the median on Sunset, the median on Sunset Drives limes. <laughs> Help him out. Looks like he's working hard. He's out there all day. That's mine, too. If you're in Florida or even, I guess, in South Georgia, I bought a couple of yellow watermelons a couple of years ago. If if you see someone selling watermelons on the side of the road, chances are they're really good and they're way cheaper than anything you're going to get at the store. Those mini watermelons, those personal-sized watermelons they're selling now, they're disgusting. They're, you know, talk about uh, GMO. Watermelons are supposed to be big and delicious. GMO. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we always do a really good job on this podcast of running right up to the line of politics and then backpedaling right off, right back off of it. Well, guess what? Everything is everything is GMO. Spoiler alert. Okay? Uh, because if you saw what, like, apples and pears and whatnot were supposed to look like, they're disgusting, unedible everything. Uh, so... You know, GMO, G GMO started with uh, the Native Americans and has continued well into the 21st century. I say modify everything genetically, including me. Look, man, yeah, me too. I would, uh, man, boy, I wish I could be taking some HGH. We need to, uh, I'm trying to, try to get a podcast interview with the produce guy if you want to know the intricacies of, of Florida produce. Uh, maybe not this week. I think he's out there right now. I'm looking out my window right now, but I could probably get him on. I think the listeners would be really thrilled by that, right? You know, this is the... Uh, 
Southeast Recruiting slash Street Produce Podcast, hosted by Woody Womack and Rob Cassidy. <laughs> well, I got plenty of takes on street produce. Uh, also, a mini recommendation that the Cab Farmers Market, if you live in the Atlanta area, a must stop. You can get plenty of exotic produce in there. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's pretty crazy uh, in terms of trying to go there on the weekends. But maybe if you're on the search for a hipster girlfriend, also a great place to start. <laughs> for us, more we got as much. Uh, much talk about produce as we did recruiting, but it's that time of year. So if you want to... Oh, snap! The lime, the lime guy just made a sale! <laughs> Good for him, man. <laughs> well, I, need, I, would, I wouldn't mind buying some limes uh, for, for my smoothies. But anyway... I'll tell you what, I'll get some off of them and I'll bring, I'll bring them to the Five Star Challenge for you. All right, perfect. All right, that wraps it up. Uh, we'll be back next week. M. Deuce, uh, you can find him on SoundCloud, his music, playing us out as always. <laughs>